0: Hello, and welcome to the Four Color Nerds comic podcast, episode 41. I'm Ryan, and I'm joined by some other nerds, Christina. (laughs) Okay. Hi. And Carissa.
1: Hello.
0: Together, we take on the week's comics. Each week, we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now, go read your week's books, and then come on back. Each week, one of us picks their favorite book of the week, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. This week, the pick of the week goes to The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, number six. Her companion song is American Witch by Rob Zombie because it talks about an American witch, which is what Sabrina is. It talks about the Salem Witch Trials, which is really central to this. And it talks about cats and the devil, which also is kind of a big part of Sabrina. Body of a monkey and the feet of a cock. To ride from a home on the killing rock. The
2: vein, the devil's in the cat in the baby's brain. The end, the end, of the American. The end, the end of the
1: American. The end, the end of the American. The end,
0: the end of the American. The end, the end of the American. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, number six, is from Archie Comics. It's written by Robert Ag- Aguaria. Sacasa art by Robert Hack. Stole it from me. I did steal it from you. I couldn't resist. It was, I was reading all of them and I had, you know, some other choices lined up. And then I read this and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is kind of a standalone issue of Sabrina. It has almost nothing to do with previous, this is a very much a standalone story about her cat and doesn't really involve her until like the last page. At the very end. If you want to check it out and see what it is, you will have no issues jumping into this issue. This is a complete standalone one. So this is the story, like I said, of her cat Salem and his interactions with some different animals. It's two different stories that are being told. The first one is kind of a retelling of Rikki-Tikki-Tavif by Retyard Kipling with these two cobras who tell you the story of how they were a young prince and princess and their family's advisor, like basically a version of Jafar, tries to tell them that their father is going to remarry this woman and that her children will replace them so he convinces them to murder her and they sneak into her room to do so but the vizier has betrayed them and told their father what they were going to do and the father's there and captures them and has them cursed into turning into cobras because they deceitful and full of venom and are you know cursed to crawl on their bellies for the rest of their days so very appropriate curse there And then the the vizier manipulates things so that the father ends up dying. He marries the mother and then ends up killing the mother. But then the two cobras kind of get their revenge and cause this elephant that they're riding to like rear back and crush. So that's kind of where you see the story of these cobras talking to Salem, trying to get him to reveal his basically origin story. And he won't tell them until they tell him their origin story. So they tell him that story. And then he launches into his tale, which is a really dark (laughs) story about Salem Village before the witch trials. So he's kind of this selfish little bastard who is a laborer at this farm and there's this girl at the farm who's also a servant that he kind of seduces and sleeps with and she gets pregnant and he wants nothing to do with her or the child and he tells her to solve the problem and that, you know, children die every day so it's it's the big deal and she's very angry with that and disappears for a while and then when she comes back with some other girls, lure him into to the woods where they meet her and this goat that he's been sharing the barn that he sleeps with, which was her actual person that she was pledged to marry because it's the devil. And that her hope was that by, you know, marrying him and having his child, she wouldn't have to marry the devil, but he screwed her over. So now she does. And she sacrificed their child to the devil to seal the bargain. And then she turns that line back on him. And it's like, you know, children die every day. It's not a big deal. So then the witches and the the devil curse him because he's, you know, selfish and thinks only of of himself to be turned into a cat the devil tells him that it, there's these witches that he has to serve and that if he does so there might be a day when he gets able to be turned back into a man the things that made me want to choose this as pick of the week is first of all this is so dark and terrifying I just love it's like it's almost like an anti-disney and that they take you know stories that you knew and rather than disnifying them by cleaning them up they add in child sacrifice and the devil and murder and you know betrayal and all these different things to make them into much darker stories the art is fantastic on this, especially when the people transform from, you know, people into cobras and people into cats and the goat into the devil. Those transformations are really striking. Uh, the art on this is fantastic. I really, really liked this. It was dark and creepy and satisfies that love we all kind of have for horror books. What did you think of it?
1: The only thing I knew about Sabrina beforehand was the Melissa Joan Hart television show. <laughs> this
0: is a little different.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's a little different. So, you know, the characters are still there. TV show has had nothing no mention of devil in their witchcraft whatsoever right and so I'm not really sure what the old Archie like looking comics did or didn't do
0: more similar to the tv show okay
1: that's all I knew about that but I do specifically remember that in one of the episodes Salem does talk about his past and who he is and it is similar enough like this feels like they fleshed it out and it was more in detail and so I actually really enjoyed seeing that play out for how he was like a horrible person and basically these years serving people he got better you know, basically, he overcame, he grew up. What the less you learn from that weird animatronic puppet <laughs> cat. And so, I really liked seeing this. I mean, and this was definitely the more grown up version, which definitely fits where I am, you know. I'm not the person who's watching that sitcom anymore. So, I personally enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot darker.
0: Super dark. This book is really dark. That's the thing that I think people are not expecting when they read Sabrina. You know, they're expecting maybe a more, like, Archie tone. But this definitely fits in with, like, the afterlife with Archie world rather than the regular Archie world.
1: It is still a little bit hard to swallow the devil in any kind of Sabrina story because it's usually so lighthearted. I see this is a theme with these TV show comics, Going Darker.
0: Yeah, this ties in with uh, Afterlife with Archie, not the regular Archie series. It makes
1: sense in that regard. Like, so I'm like, okay, they're doing it because of X, Y, you know, this. No, I liked it. Yeah, the artwork was really well done, and I really liked the twists and the turns and the whole poison in the ear, like Hamlet, all that it was really nice it was stunning i think it's a very interesting read for anyone who might be curious and sitting on on the fence and not sure if for you or not i definitely think it's worth a look you might not want to go back and read the others you know this like you said this is a standalone but i always thought salem was the most interesting character in that kind of series to begin with so i might be a little bit more swayed that way
0: this will definitely tell you what the tone for chilling adventures of sabrina and afterlife with archie is yeah. If you like this then you're going to find the exact same thing in those two books. If you don't like it this then stay away from those two books because this is very indicative I of I love those it. Books. You
2: stole my book, you bastard. <laughs> couldn't resist the witchcraft. It's so good. The story in the beginning about the Cobras was freaking awesome. I love how it ties into the Ricky Tiki tavi and then it, it talks about even the guy who wrote it, like they even show him in there. I was like, God damn it. This is really, really great writing. It's very interesting. I don't know if you read in the very back the Tales from the Grimoire by the author is he talks about Neil Gaiman Sandman and how he loves how some of the issues in our standalone and it was kind of interesting that you brought this up. This is a great standalone issue and it kind of, it has that almost kind of that same feeling of being part of history because i know i I love sandman and there's a lot of that that ties in there if
0: you'd flip through an art book of like 1950s books taking a bunch of acid and then went to bed like this is what you would dream
2: you would wake up in a cold sweat like oh my god what the fuck just happened oh my god the goat yeah that goat's fucked up i love goats too and i i know they have devil eyes you see it they look like the devil i gave it four and a half hanging trees
1: give it Three and three quarters, really long goat loin hair.
2: Four and a half cobra hisses. And yes. I loved how the writing had the hisses in yes. the writing. Oh, it's so good.
0: Because, like, you can overdo that kind of writing where you try and make the person phonetically sound how they're supposed to, but they did it just right in this. You know, it can become unreadable if you do it the wrong way. But you have a lighthearted tale for us over in the Marvel Universe. Rocket Raccoon and Groot
1: Number 7. Marvel comic written by Nick Kocher, art by Michael Walsh, and colors by Crisis Peter. Or it to be Chris Peter. Is it really Crisis? It's Chris. Okay, it says Crisis. No, it's Chris. <laughs> okay.
0: Crisis would be pretty awesome, but no.
1: Well, it says Crisis, so I'm
0: like, okay, Chris. <laughs> this is a change in the creative t- team for
1: because the whole like joke on the title page is not really the same and yeah the artwork looks different starts off with Groot and Rocket battling a space squid definitely a cephalopod of some sort the phone keeps ringing on the ship Rocket is telling Groot to ignore it but Groot keeps going and answering the phone you know it is I am Groot the person on the other line's like, do I have the wrong number? <laughs> Is there someone
0: else I can speak to?
1: <laughs> Cute, funny, mini, like, joke sequence of Groot walking back, hanging up, leaving, and then ringing again. And him am like, what? And then coming back to the ship, answering again. The person eventually rocks like, for God's sakes, man, just let the machine get it. As like, tentacles are flying. And the machine's like, I'm rocking, and I am Groot. They're away message. And the person's like, I think your, like, mentally challenged adult son was answering during the film. Something that was... <laughs> What am I not PC to say? No, but, but it was funny. Turns out is the call is that one of Rocket's friends has died. And so at first Rocket's playing all his, I'm cool. This trashed room has nothing to do with me being upset. I'm not sad. And, you know, Groot just sees right through it and basically eventually gets Rocket to open up. So then they find themselves at a funeral for, it was like the person who basically showed Rocket how to grift people.
0: Like his Fagin. Uh, Frankie Fat Hands.
1: Frankie Fat Hands. He's like, you know, blue, cheesy grin, huge hands.
0: I think Rocket... It is so adorable as a little street urchin it was cute and like, it's
1: like can you talk boy are you just an animal I can't tell from these parts <laughs> yeah. and then the first thing Rocket says to him like what are qualms
0: <laughs> perfect and he's like okay good. you'll fit right in
1: <laughs> they're at the funeral earlier Rocket mentions how funerals are always the same it's always he had a good soul we'll miss you know the typical things and he's not wrong the typical things people say at a funeral but it's funny because then they show that different little alien people saying those lines Groot pops in and goes I am Groot and everyone's like huh and he basically drags Rocket on there, and Rocket's like, I don't know what to say. I have nothing to say. But then later on, they're at the tombstone, and he's, like, talking at it, or trying to. And the tombstone's pretty funny. It's basically... <laughs> is the person carving? If you're, like, trying to say what place in order, the person's writing down exactly everything you have to say. If you follow that old blog, Cake Rex, where people order a birthday cake, and it says... And then below <laughs> that, put... Or,
0: like, in French, or something like that. See you yeah. later... <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then they put it verbatim in the frosting. That's what this tombstone looked like. That was funny, a little chuckle. So Fat Hands comes out of the grave, a la zombie, but with like a... Snorkel? Yeah. Snorkel, straw, flower, camoed thing. And he's like, oh, what you're doing is borderline cliché. Which, you know, he ain't wrong again. Not wrong. He faked his death. And so they're out to eat and neither of them want to pay. And they're like, oh, we'll do one of our old ruses. And then they run and they're chasing after a trolley, jump on the train. Rocket goes to pat him on the back and he falls down and he dies again. And then they're going to arrest Rocket and they punch their way out because they said that he murdered him. And then they find out again that he faked his death again. And so this keeps going. He fakes his death a number of times in very different humorous ways. He's
0: in debt to like all these gangsters that he's trying to ditch. Correct.
1: Showing, like, the repeated, reuse, different, the, that typical...
0: What Rocket's at every funeral is like. Different jargon that Rocket mentioned earlier. What is it? Uh, what a tragic loss. He was taken too soon. So eventually they
1: find the slug guy. And I have to say my favorite part when addressing the slug is that Rocket's like, Get me some salt. He's so clever and right to it. And then I, then his answer to Groot question, like, I don't care if it's I and I. I don't know why that stuck out to me as hilarious, but it did. It was pretty funny. Slug's going, I'm not a bad guy. It's like... You're wearing an eye patch. Come on.
0: <laughs> he's like, well Yeah, he's only got one little eye stock and then an eye patch.
1: Rocket turns the tables and he fakes his death. And then he just basically pops up and he's wearing the fake wig and everything just like Big Hands did.
0: <laughs> he still learned his lesson from his mentor.
1: Yeah, and then there was still the same they had the cheapy funeral, but Groot had them all like chained up so they were forced to go to Rocket's funeral. There was one other thing I really liked What led to Rocket's death was the space squid from and I like how they had to bring up that it, remember from earlier comes crashing through
0: the narrator as the writer am I explaining too much was that too obvious I love meta stuff like that you know me so
1: right below the space squids reinvasion is a little cute two panels that basically reenact from the Avengers movies where they're standing there after their battle and then he goes bam and punches him sideways Groot does that to fat hands that's a cute little homage
0: yeah I chuckled at that
1: it was definitely noticeable so yes rocket dies and he comes back with a wig and his flower snorkel he goes you must to that coming, it's a cute little romp.
0: I was interested to see how the new creative team from the previous one, and not really, it feels very similar to previous Rock and Groot's. I think I like how Groot's drawn better. He looks a little more like classic Groot than some weird interpretation of him. I thought it was funny. I thought the dying over and over again was a little repetitive. I mean, that's part of what makes it funny is that it's repetitive. Mm-hmm. But they probably could have done with one less of them. Like I got the point after mm-hmm, a few yeah. of them, but it was pretty good. I mean, I, I laughed the whole time. You know, it looks interesting. It's funny. I. Liked it
1: I gave it a good solid four I don't care if it's ionized.
0: I gave it a three and a half he'll live on in our hearts. What's best in life?
2: <laughs> <laughs> this was yours that I took from you since you took mine. Conan the Slayer, number one. Dark Horse Comics, written by Colin Bunn. Art by Sergio Dava. Colors by Michael... Ah, oh, damn it. it- uh, Atea, I Adia. I So, Colin Bunn, what is the horror... He writes Harrow County, right? He writes Harrow County. Which-, which
0: I do like. He also wrote The Sixth Gun. That's his big one.
2: It's Conan if you like Conan. I enjoyed it. It's a great story. He is run down. I love he's, like, bleeding everywhere. He's got arrows in him. He's all, like, just kind of destroyed. He's being hunted he's sad he's like he's lost everybody that you know was part of his, his crew his crew his squad because everyone <laughs> enjoys the squad goals he's being hunted it's kind of sad he falls in this group of these other warriors he falls down just a mess you know they're like do we kill him what do we do with him and they're like nah we're not gonna kill him let's let's have some words with him before he dies the funniest part about this book and i really really enjoy this and it's horrible that this comes to mind is they're talking to him and they're all like their family and they're all infighting. And he's just like, I just, it's like that moment where he was like, I really, really don't want to live anymore to hear your shit. (laughs) And it just made me think, I was like, oh God, I would love to have Conan the Barbarian be near the Kardashians (laughs) just once, (laughs) just once.
0: Invite Conan over for Thanksgiving dinner. You'll have a very interesting time because he will not put up with your bullshit. (laughs)
2: It's like, oh, I wish I was Conan the Barbarian for that one moment. Just that one moment. (laughs) Kill them all. So they have him, they're talking to him. Then these other guys who were hunting him down actually show up and are like hey is he hit and they're like no no he's not here of course of course they're gonna lie because they want to get information out of him they're gonna try to use him for something they don't know who he is yet either
0: well i mean they know he's a sumerian
2: right but they don't know that he's conan right so at least he has that hidden because i'm sure if they knew he was conan they'd probably just kill him
0: well that's kind of one interesting thing about conan stories is i mean they do tell you know a story about his life but the each episode is very standalone they don't really yes. relate to each other so at the point in his life where he's you know there's like the the barbarian the slayer the you know there's the ones where he's king there's the ones where he's a mm-hmm. bandit the ones where he's a pirate there's all kinds of parts of his life so I don't know exactly where this slayer part fits in but I'm guessing it's more in his barbarian banditry type days
2: I like it because it's a good standalone story yeah I like the king ones the king ones were pretty fun I thought the art was pretty good
0: I thought the art good the feels of Conan very well you know <laughs> yeah like those opening scenes where he's staggering with all the arrows like stuck in him I'm like man he got messed up
2: you are fucked up the scene where all his men are like just slain with with the blood and the darkness and all the rip flags and stuff like that. That was a great image. Or like
0: towards the end where they have all those heads on the pikes that they... Yeah. Yeah. It's good and gory. I also like when uh Conan's like tied up, yep. you know, and they're like, should we kill him? And he's like, I will. Whoever comes near me, basically, I'm going to kill you. And they're like, you're tied up. Yep. What can you do? <laughs> he's like, come closer and find out. <laughs> I'm like, that's not an idle threat. He will fuck you up. I will show
2: you. I will use my last dying breath.
0: It's a Conan story. <laughs> I mean, it's not any better or worse, I think, than most other Conan stories. So how much you like Conan will... Will really depend on how much you like this book. If you've read Conan before and you don't like it, you're probably not going to like this. You're not going to
2: like this. It's Conan.
0: If you do like it, this will be something you like as well. If you've never read Conan before, this is as good of a place as any to jump in. I
2: mean, people know who Conan are. They might not follow the comics. You've probably watched the movies as a kid. So you at sure. least have an idea of who he is. Good fun. Bloody romp.
0: The one thing I didn't really like about it very much is it's very wordy. Yeah.
2: There was a lot of dialogue. A lot
0: of dialogue and a lot of narration yeah. boxes, which I think they probably could have cut down on that a little bit. It's, it's still very good. Those boxes feel like you're reading Robert E. Howard like text you know it's not out of place it's just a little too much for each panel or page you know
2: it's kind of funny because you'd think that they are barbarians and whatnot you'd think there would be less dialogue
0: yeah it's, it's mostly the narration that's more than the actual right. dialogue just the actual words are you know pretty pretty sparse but
2: i'm gonna give it for that hot warrior chick she's still covered up she's not wearing like the super bikini and but she is wearing uggs
0: i will give it three and a half heads on pipes Is yeah. are pretty awesome yeah that's fun yeah that's good
2: Super
1: beefcakey, Look like Conan. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes,
0: that's what I have to say. So, <laughs> once again, you're taking us to this corner of the Marvel Universe.
1: Yes. Guardians of the Galaxy, number 10. Marvel Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Valerio Skitty. And colors by Richard Isanove. Last we left off, Quill was kidnapped by the, ba- the brothers Bandoon and the rest of the team rescued Angela. Giving you a little recap. So he's on a planet, and he's being snarky to his captors, and they basically kick him into a gladiator pit and say, we're gonna tell, this is your sentencing and your execution, and they're gonna televise it across the galaxy. He's fighting for his life.
0: I like that he's, hey, if I'm gonna be fighting for my death here, you can at least pay attention to what's going on down here.
1: Well, that happens later, once after they <laughs> arrive. But yes, I did like that line a lot. I- really
0: liked Kitty in this.
1: Kitty actually felt more Kitty-like to me. I think it felt more accurate. So they're basically they have a decoy set up with Rocket and they're escaping and... They think they're gonna get the rest of the guardians. Like, oh, they're in our own sh- one of our own ships. How dare they? Of course, they get away. And they're all talking about I rescued this person. I rescued that person. I don't know who they're talking about when they mentioned the thing's girlfriend
0: on the planet. He met that one alien, that the blue chick. He thought was super beautiful. I don't remember her name, but she was on the pl- on the prison planet that they rescued.
1: I do like when. One of the little henchmen's comes and talks to the leader, His Excellency, about what happened on this prison planet. And his response is like, okay, so they attacked. Okay, what happened? And the elite forces, thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands. How many people, how many guardians are there? And he's like, it fluctuates. Five? <laughs> ten, maybe? But we have their leader. He's like, well, they don't, in the strictest sense, have a leader. That's an ongoing argument among in the comics of the team. And it's like, well, let me speak to this person dead. Let me speak to this person dead. So it's just really funny. I like this reaction. Kind of echoes how the guy on the planet, how he couldn't possibly believe that that small of a force took their entire planet. So this kind of reiterates that humor which I enjoy because it is pretty funny because they're such a ragtag bunch of misfits, but they can accomplish pretty big feats. Yes. Then it has the line where you could at least pay attention, and then while he's distracted by that, Kitty basically pulls like the barbarian Viking move, faces hand through the chest, and he doesn't believe her, her threat, and then she pulls out gut and shows it to him and it's pretty badass
0: i really like that part with kitty because you know kitty has viewed this planet as a concentration camp that they're Mm -hmm. liberating and you know kitty pride is is jewish so she's normally not this violent to people like she threatens all the time to put her arm through someone and you know rip their heart out or you know face solid or whatever and kill them but she almost never does it but here she's not fucking around (laughs) she's had enough
1: but as much as serious she is, there is some kind of humor because she's like, and like, unless you give me back my sometimes fiancé, boyfriend, maybe husband, like her description of her complicated relationship with her and Peter.
0: When she rips out the heart, she's like, what the hell is this? Because it doesn't look yeah. like anything she recognizes.
1: Then Peter basically goes on to say, you can say what you want about me, but I know how to pick women. Because <laughs> he yeah really impressed by kitty then it just breaks into all the fights and the banters and they just kind of really do their guardian thing and everyone i think has their little moment to shine i do love how angela is putting down kitty yeah she just doesn't really seem to get it yeah where they're
0: like trying to threaten and negotiate and she's like no we're just going to kill them and she like holds his like severed head up
1: yeah or the one where she's like oh you saved one for me the guy's like no and then she pulls him closer and there's that panel of her whispering in his ear yes I was like, sexy <laughs> and dangerous, awesome. Like I said, each character I think really has that moment where it really is a defining moment of how that character is, and so they really have that moment to shine. It's like you know, thing jumping across yeah, the it's thing. Like, for- what time
0: is it? I <laughs> love in time, which is really important to do in a book with so many characters. Is you really have to give each one a really strong moment to shine. This issue did a
1: great job of that. I really feel like they each had their moment, and it felt really like them. And I thought following the. Action was really done well. And then the panel where he explains we have an army we just save all these people you had enslaved of course they're willing to fight for us all sorts of species and everything and there's that panel where you, you see all the aliens and the crews they yep. have with them
0: the art on this is pretty really spectacular
1: basically they're saying how they can't kill off a whole you know species and then you like the thing you mentioned angel holds up the head and gives her a speech and that's that's pretty much the end of it and i like a it rocket's like yeah I guess I'll get the ship then oh
0: yeah i love all the reaction panels when they're all looking like kids He's, like, getting ready to throw up, and they're all, like, wide-eyed, just kind of, like, I can't believe you did that. And she's, like, covered in, like, that green Badoon blood and just...
1: Yeah, and they're like, after party escaping, the thing's like, are you gonna wash your hands? You're holding a dead head with that. Quills and Kitty's little moment of kind of smiling, but then her telling him that he smells, which seems typical about their their relationship. Here's where I get pissed. (laughs) Yay, I
0: love this part.
1: This is not okay.
0: This is totally okay.
1: No, it's not okay. (laughs) Captain Marvel messaged them, which, okay, she is the contact point probably for them out of the marvel universe she's that spot between earth and the rest of the space okay yep. sure that makes sense she's asking them for help because she's saying tony's going off the rails which kitty and peter get along with tony pretty well, damn
0: well tony is kidnapping people and torturing them i mean he's he is going a little crazy
1: yes but it's still it's what me and rory were saying before it's she doesn't know how not to get her way and she's just going about being very manipulative about it i mean really all the superheroes on the planet and you have to i mean i know they're trying and tie and everything because it's to sell books it's just so irritating i'm really hoping that they pull jessica and they tell her like suck it they're going to show up there, but it just seems like it's just her being manipulative and just...
0: I view it as her gathering all of her resources, like a wise commander. I also feel like her just not knowing when to stop. I mean, isn't that a defining characteristic of being a superhero is not stopping? Because I've, I've been thinking, I knew you. I knew we were going to talk about this. So I've been thinking about it, right? Like, if you remember... Because
1: you are her! You can't ha- be wrong and you, you have to gather everything because you're like, oh, I know Chris is going to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, it's not that I can't be wrong, Chris, it's that I'm never wrong there's a difference (laughs) no that's not true for example like in spider woman when jessica gets trapped inside that prison she doesn't give up trying to get in she's very determined and will not take no for an answer and that can be a good trait or a bad trait
1: i think it depends on how the person goes about it i really do because there are parts where i've i've definitely have liked carol and her personality i really just think right now she's just she's acting like a sore loser or just even when there's points where i'm like wow, she's going to see what she did wrong or h- how she handled this poorly and she doesn't admit it. She doesn't... I think
0: that's probably more a little bit more for Civil War when we get to that.
1: But Instead of reevaluating, she just goes forward to try to push more people. Like, might is right. Like, if I have all these people, then I'm right. And I just don't like her mm. bringing in so many
0: people. I guess I look at it as I'm right. That's why I have so many people. This isn't Civil War we're talking about, but this is a Civil War tie-in. That's what makes it so good is that there are... Yeah, there are valid arguments on both sides.
1: So, yeah, that's where this book turned for me. I was like, (laughs) I was loving it until this. I'm like, Carol, get out of my book. Damn it. I didn't ask for you to be in here. I don't want you here. Go home. I give it four. You are the Earth Mutant Quill has fallen for.
0: I will give it three and a half louder than bombs, which is the shirt that Kitty Pryde is wearing. So I'm taking us uh, away from the Marvel Universe over into DC for Wonder Woman number two from DC Comics, written by Greg Rucka, art by Nicola mm-hmm. Scott, colors by Romulo Faharda. There's one Wonder Woman book, but it's a different story every two weeks. So it's really... Two monthly Wonder Woman books that are staggered is really how I think about this series. The even-numbered issues are going to be about basically Wonder Woman's origin story. And this one, Nicola Scott and Greg Rucka have been the creative team on a book that we've picked for our pick of the week before, which is Black Magic over at Image. So I was really excited to see them working together here. This artistic, I mean, visually looks a little different than that series in that it's it's in color and it doesn't seem quite as detailed as the other book, which is one of thing that I really loved about it. But the art is still really good, and I think the story is pretty good. It's basically, you know, Wonder Woman uh, in the mascara uh, with all her Amazonian sisters, and she's not satisfied with kind of the world that she has. Like, there's a, a scene I think is really good where they're up at, like, an observatory, and all of the others are looking up at the sky and, you know, doing basically, like, astronomy slash astrology combined together you know and she's looking out at the horizon and she says that you know they're looking up at the stars so they're looking at things that have happened a long time ago that they can't do anything about but she out into the world a thing happening right now that you can influence which I thought was pretty cool you get a lot of mirroring with her and Trevor where they'll be kind of completing each other's sentences they'll be telling parallel stories where one of them will start talking and then the other will pick up completing that thought in their own story so it kind of you know shows you how closely linked they are and it's basically his story of him and his partner you know his partner wants to go meet this girl and he needs someone to go be his wingman so he goes with him and his partner eventually marries that woman and has a child and you know all of these things and then they are on a mission and their plane crashes and that's where wonder woman and all of the others find all of these people injured and you have trevor kind of like all bloody and messed up like reaching out Mm. to her asking for help which i thought was pretty cool i was pretty impressed with this issue i thought it gave you really nice visuals i thought it told you a really interesting story really happy with the first wonder woman uh, with the other story that's going on and i was also very happy with this story as well what did you think of it?
1: It's a little bit harder to follow than the last one.
0: They do have those two parallel yeah. stories where they jump between her and Trevor, you know.
1: It was very pretty. It was really well drawn. And I did like the story that it was telling. Though the story, the guy's story was a little, wasn't as much because I wasn't as interested in it. It feels a lot
0: like the setup for like a buddy cop movie. Yeah. You know. yeah. Or it's showing you, like, oh, this guy, he just got married, and he's got a kid, and he's two days from retirement. You know, like, all those kind of mm-hmm. things that may try and give that accident that they have some weight to it. Yeah, it's
1: a little cliche, so you don't really feel as involved in it. felt so, kind of like filler.
0: The last issue was definitely more fantasy, more supernatural fantasy-based, I think. Yeah. This one seems more about relationship.
1: I love the drawings when they're like all
0: toga wearing and on the island. I've always she looks liked so that. like fresh-faced and innocent in yeah, those. I like that whole archery scene. Oh, where they are shooting the arrows through the like hoops and she hoops, yeah. misses the first one then she fires two arrows at the same time that go through. She makes up for it. Pretty cool. And then that also, just that where we're talking about how they parallel, that scene cuts in, well, first it was Trevor at the firing range, then it cuts to her at the archery range. That's what I'm talking about, mm. where they kind of mirror their actions and their dialogue. I can see that. They're very similar. There's also this creepy tree that she goes to where this, like, s- poison snake bites her, which was pretty interesting. Yeah.
1: There was going to be more to it than that. That was a little, that threw me off a bit. Like, that actually really interests me. And then, like, it didn't really seem like it, I thought there was going to be more to I think it. it's
0: like nothing is perfect even in Paradise. You know, that there are still other, you know, the other. not all Greek gods are benevolent towards them. That's probably either Ares or Hades, his yeah. influence there. I gave it four Lassos of Truth i give it three ass bites. so then we have big one here that we're probably gonna civil get into war. that was spoiled for me sadly before i got to read it but i didn't do it no no you didn't <laughs> comics come out on wednesday mm-hmm. right about what happened on tuesday yeah. uh,
1: civil war 2 number 3 marvel comic written by brian michael bendis art by david marquez and oliver copel i think So they're having a court trial and Carol's on the stand and it flashes between her on the stand and Tony on the stand and Carol shows up at Banner's secret lab that supposedly he was under the impression that no one knew about where or how to get in. She shows up there and says she needs to talk to him and keeps asking him what he's working on. Then Tony enters and they're talking. And basically asked them, "Can you please step outside?" Where he is faced with everyone. Yeah, everyone. The big names. They are there. They are asking what he's working on. They t- explain to him what they experienced, which I understand. A lot of them have been shocked to the core because Ulysses made them experience that. Because it's getting heated. Then it is revealed that Beast hacked his computer while they were out there. That them removing him outside was part of right. their reasoning for getting him outside. And he, they see that he is working on research that he is testing on himself again and that makes him mad because the people who believe that what they saw will happen. This only reinforces that by hearing that he is testing on himself, even though he keeps on trying to plead with them that he hasn't changed in over a year.
0: That's what's kept him from...
1: And so they won't see it. Tony is like, asking like please stay calm, please stay calm. And he's trying to diffuse the situation. And all I could see when, while I was reading this is going, can't you guys see that you being there is gonna cause that to happen? You being here is what's caused that vision. Why can't you see that? Yeah, I think
0: it's, you know, on the way to like avoid your fate you encounter it the thing that you saw
1: you brought it about because you were interfering with and i've been saying this a, a, a long time that some things sure especially with that one it's so well i mean, it, i so suppose the, the sub-
0: counter argument would be that banner's research was going to go wrong you know and then being there prevented that vision from coming true
1: except for the vision that they saw was this though it wasn't going wrong and then
0: fighting all of the avengers so that that was not this vision hawkeye and everyone dead at his feet they certainly didn't make it better
1: he's starting to get agitated tony's telling him to calm down and explain because basically they're saying like are you here to take me out are you here to arrest me it was very unclear and that's kind of messed up if you're just like you're just gonna kill me just because you know
0: well i mean you gotta remember that all these people around him most of these people are part of the illuminati that shot him into space before so he has plenty of reason to think that they are certainly capable of doing horrible things to him banner's not paranoid you know banner i'm
1: not saying he's paranoid
0: accurately reacting to the threat he's under. i feel
1: for him like i do not think he's overreacting i think if you want to talk to someone about something potentially happening and you saw all those people in the vision maybe not bring all those people in the don't line it up so it could be actually fulfilled maybe take a handful who can get away real fast if something happens you know maybe not bring everything so you basically hit the checklist of vision requirements he's getting agitated and this is where the whole trial is taking place he gets shot with an arrow they fall to the tree line where it happens and hawkeye's
0: there and he just which is a great shot of that arrow from hawkeye yeah like, the part where it hits Banner and he goes flying back and all that green, like, gamma blood mm-hmm. is flying everywhere and on all their faces. That's pretty pretty good stuff right there. And as there. he
1: hits and there's, like, a weird silhouette flash of him shaped as the Hulk, and then he falls in it. But it falls in its Banner. And he has his wrist out. He's willing and able, not fighting it, to be arrested. He understands. So, basically, this is a trial for Barton, for Clint, basically saying... Such and such time ago, Bruce came to me saying, "I created this device, this arrowhead, basically, for you to take me out if I ever go green again." Because I had. And he it.
0: chose Hawkeye because he knows that Hawkeye could do it. Not that he's you know the most powerful or whatever, but he would shoot him if he had to.
1: Importantly, because and because he thinks about the psyche, he knows that after some time clinton could come to terms with
0: he could come back from it yeah
1: yeah he could come back from doing this and then this was backed up and they're in trial they found even bruce's video diary or blog saying yes i did this on this date i did this Da-da-da-da. a sound mind and body kind of thing you know and then they found like research on his computers that sh- proves that he created it the device so this was all pre-planned but they're saying well then how did you know he was going to turn he he hadn't turned yet and he basically just goes on well with my eyesight my training i can i'm trained to see even the smallest nuances you know and ticks of people his eyes flash green which i thought was very interesting he said that and then the panel they go back
0: they're not green i went back i zoomed in so i was like okay i'm going to zoom in on that panel and that'll tell me yeah. if what he saw was really happening or not happening it doesn't look like it to me
1: yeah it doesn't, so it's really hard. Tony just like clearly distraught when he was talking it's like he's the founding member of the Avengers. I was trying to calm him down.
0: To me, that seems like a bunch of hypocrisy from Tony because Tony has fucked the Hulk over previously to save everyone. So
1: I know, there's the Hulk buster and everything like that, and he's done all sorts of stuff like that. But it was true he was trying to calm him down. True. True. He was the one trying out of all those people going, Listen, just breathe you know, he was he was the one trying and he's the one that seems the most upset besides he's known Clint. Banner
0: for a long, long time.
1: And you know, especially for people who are just coming into reading comics after seeing the movies, they've definitely built up that friendship in the movie, so a lot of new readers who don't know Law of the Past will see that. They can relate to yep. that kind of connection.
0: Well, so then at the end his was it Friday his computer simulation
1: came out with a verdict and he's saying I don't want to hear it I already know and she's like oh no it's um it's MJ was like well how do you know you know and he's like I'm a futurist based some weird Tony I'm full of myself lying even if I side with someone I know that they have faults <laughs> but Friday is like well you didn't program me to lie but you might be interested in this like you were saying I've uh figured out how the visions work not really why I think she said but How, at least. Yeah, how they work. And then that's where it ends, of course. You're like,
0: no, I want to know! Yeah, two cliffhangers. What the verdict's going to be and how Ulysses' powers work. Yeah. Scene where it's kind of the younger members standing there. So it's Kamala Khan and Spider-Man. Miles Morales, Spider-Man. And Nova. And Nova. And I think this is like a moment for them where they've they've never had to deal with anything like this or see it,
1: you know? And I think it's Miles. It's like, I think, is it Miles or Nova that's like, I'm with Stark on this one.
0: They both are.
1: And Kamala, yeah. like... Well, I know they both are by the drawings on the covers but
0: nova says i think i'm with iron man and then miles says me too Which you know they're the new avengers so this is you know they're splitting right there i think because obviously kamala I i think is still on carol's side although there is that picture of her tearing her picture in half so maybe this is her her turning point here and i also like the courtroom stuff You know, parallels that uh, issue zero, where we had the court trial.
1: But I like how Tony Toland's like,
0: "You're not asking the right question." Answers a lot of questions, opens up a lot of new questions. Good little cliffhanger. Is that a city or not? I can't tell. Like, I'm looking at that panel of the Hulk, the vision, Mm -hmm. right? And it looks like it's woods on fire in the background, not a city. So I think you're right that that is, you know, the scene where it all goes bad. But is that what would have happened if Clint hadn't shot him? If them confronting him would have angered him enough to turn into the Hulk and then hell breaks loose?
1: But if they never had the vision in the first place to go and talk to him in mass, would that vision have ever happened at all with them all going there? That's, that's there, the interesting part think. about this.
0: What what is the future? Is the future set? Is the future changeable? But I think it's interesting that Clint is so unpredictable that no one knew what he was going to do. Like, not even the vision that Ulysses had accounted for his actions.
1: I gave it five, you're not asking the right questions, because it really made me I felt sad for Banner. I felt bad for Clint. I thought he was put in a shitty situation. And I also, you know, I worry for him. He made a made a bad call.
0: I will give it four green eyes. Getting into now a bunch of rebirth stuff. So we have new Superman number no. one from DC Comics, written by Gene Lewin Yang, pencils by Victor Odonovic, inks by Richard Friend. So this is the Chinese Superman, origin story. It's the son of like a mechanic. There's the fat kid who he picks on, who he, you know, he beats up and takes his lunch and his lunch money and, and all of that. You find out that the reason he does that is the kid's dad the kid that he picks on his dad runs an airline that his mother died in one of their plane crashes and he feels like it was their responsibility to keep the planes in the air and they failed so he's got a lot of you know he knows and it's one of those things where he says like I know it's not fair to blame him but I can't stop myself so he's basically shaking him down for his lunch and the the little fat kid you know he, he basically chases him down and takes like his soda and he's like we were at the store together i offered to buy you a soda like why are you taking what's mine and he just says well it tastes better when i take it from you you know so he's not really a great guy at this point through that no bullies this chinese supervillain shows up and is gonna kill that kid because he's like a bystander you know it's gonna be collateral damage and our chinese soon-to-be superman mm-hmm. Basically throws the can of soda at the supervillain and gets caught on their version of, like, YouTube doing it and becomes, like, an internet sensation. And their version of, like, Lois Lane wants to, like, interview him. So they arrange a meeting later on to do that. He goes back to tell his dad about it. And his dad immediately is basically not impressed at all that he's now famous is questioning what he was even doing around that kid because, you know, he knows that he's a bully and is always picking on him, and he's been told to stay away from him, you know, because the the other kid's dad is really rich and powerful Mm -hmm. and keeps threatening to sue him, and he's just a mechanic, you know, so he can't. There's a lot of stress for him. So he asks his dad to go meet with the reporter with him because they want to interview both of them, and he says that he can't, that he has a writer's group that he's part of, and they're working on, they say writer's group, but really more like investigative uh, people. There's something called the Ministry of Self-Reliance that they think exists and is up to some really shady shit but then he meets this mysterious woman in like this trench coat who says she's part of the ministry of self-reliance and that she can give him you know that she's seen his heart in the video which clearly is not really very indicative of who he actually is but she thinks he's you know captured the the spirit of the chinese people and is like a hero for them now so she wants to give him the actual powers to be able to ...to match that. So they put him in this this chamber to give him some powers, and it starts going kind of wrong. And he's like, you know, let me out of here. I don't want to go through with this, but they don't let him out. And then he has all these visions that he's seeing things through Superman's eyes, not his own. And he's very confused about this. He breaks out of the, the chamber... And he's freaking out, uh, like shooting his laser beams everywhere and flying around. Like not out of malice, I don't think, more like just I can't control this and I don't know what to do. And that's when they tell him to stand down and they call in uh, some other people to help if he won't stand down, which is the Chinese Batman and the Chinese Wonder Woman, which is kind of cool. This wasn't to me the most amazing story I've ever read, but it was something I've never read before, which I really appreciate. This is a new take on Superman. I think it's really setting up his journey from being a selfish jerk to embracing the ideals of Superman. The Chinese Wonder Woman looks pretty awesome. Chinese Batman looks kind of lame. But it's interesting to see a new take on something. I mean, they are taking a very old story and sort of retelling it through a different cultural lens. I thought it was definitely worth reading for something kind of new and interesting.
1: The only thing I have to really say about it is... It's new and different, like you're saying, through a different cultural lens. But why does it have to be Superman? Why can't they just create a new superhero? Well,
0: I mean, they kind of address that in the story here because they're saying, and this is kind of geopolitics a little bit to me, that American Superman is dead and it's time for China to reassert itself into the world by, you know, taking up that mantle.
1: Well, I mean, sure, that I mean that's how they tied it in, but I'm just asking as in general, why does it have to be Superman? That's how they tied it in to be Superman, sure.
0: The simple answer is no one would buy it if it wasn't called Superman.
1: Exactly. I find that very disappointing. I find it very frustrating as a reader because there's plenty of comics I've picked up that I have no idea who they bet and a lot of them end up being some of my favorite comics ever. And I just kind of this type of ploy that makes me sick of DC Comics a lo- in many ways. A lot of times it's one of my biggest complaints. It's like stop shoving your few titles. They do.
0: Marvel does it too all the time. How many Spider-Mans, Thors, Captain Marvels. I mean there's Iron Man. <laughs>
1: People make that argument, but I still feel like while Marvel does do that and all superheroes have done that, there's so many more Supermans. like Just in general, just right now, how many freaking Supermans? Spider-Man is maybe the one closest thing that can can come close to that. This is a reoccurring complaint, and it's just like, I would love to have, like, yes, Chinese superhero, awesome, get those kids excited. But really, it's almost kind of insulting in a way because he's really just, like, second-run Superman. He can't be his own thing. I'd rather that see them work and build up.
0: I think what they're doing with Superman is the death of Superman and then the rise of the other Superman in its place, you know? Definitely get what you're saying. This, to me, is almost like an Elseworlds story, which is like DC's version of, like, what if? Like, if they had just made this, like, what if Superman was Chinese? You know, that would be a, and not tied into the regular DC universe. I think that would remove a lot of your issues with it.
1: I, I just would love to see new heroes take hold. I feel like Marvel has more that do that. Like with, you know, Spider-Gwen and stuff like that, because she's fairly new. Who's
0: a takeoff on Spider-Man? I mean, he has a very different story than Clark, you know.
1: For me, screams the fact that it shouldn't be Superman. He should be something else.
0: Just from a pure business point of view, you can sell books that say Superman or Batman or Spider-Man or whatever, but selling a new hero is very hard to do. So, it's really hard to do. I will give it three and a half made in China's. I give it two and a half. Nice try. Let's hear about it. Take us. Let's let's go deep into space with uh, the DC universe.
2: Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps Rebirth number one, which should be called Hal Jordan and the. What do we call it? Grenade Lantern Corps. I'm falling on that grenade for you guys reading this one. Terrible. Written by, sorry, Robert Venditti, art by Ethan Van Saver, colors by Jason Wright. So I don't read Green Lantern, so if this is a typical Green Lantern story, I don't understand why. It seems like a very paint-by-number book. I don't know, it was...
0: Yeah, this is very much like a summary of... This is kind of the history of Hal Jordan and the Green Lanterns like it doesn't actually do very much. It's just like here's the characters and shit that's happened with them.
2: There was really no story here of anything that was happening other than him making his own ring. That was the only yeah his power gloves that was the only piece that actually was story. Everything else was just like, oh, hey, all this shit happened. By the way, all this shit happened. And he, it felt like it was the same kind of story where they did with um, The Flash and where he's like, everyone will just remember my name and I have to keep repeating this. And I, I was like, that's like the same.
0: But that was done well, though. This is not done well.
2: That one was really great. And being,
0: because that was a new thing that he was no. doing where he then would reference things from the past, right? And this one was just like previously on Hal Jordan, you know? It wasn't actually new material. No.
2: Felt like. A lot of the stuff, granted, I didn't know, but I was like, I don't even care. The only thing that I liked was the parallax, that evil demon-y looking thing. That was kind of yeah. awesome. That I liked. That was interesting. Yeah, the
0: stuff with the Sinestro Core was pretty cool. Like, there are good images in here. Yeah. I like all the art except the pictures of Hal Jordan. Kind of like a green ghost, you know? It's not good. It just
2: wasn't good. I just don't like it.
0: I was not terribly impressed with it either.
2: I actually was excited because I haven't read like any Green Lantern in a very, very, very long time. So I was hoping, because many of the other Rebirth things have been re- pretty good. So I was like, yeah, this could be good. No. No. <laughs> No.
0: I think the art was much better than the story. Yes. It's almost like they were trapped by having to be a rebirth issue.
2: I did not like how he was even drawn. There's that one image at the end where his arm is up and it looks weird. It looks like-
0: I don't like the way he looks. The way that they draw him is terrible.
2: It looks like he's got this weird like side boob boob happening on the side.
0: Yeah they tend to do it a lot in DC where they like they pose the superheroes in ways that people don't stand or look. It just looks kind of out of place and outdated when they do that.
2: It does- it just looks weird. looks weird everybody else though being drawn looks great
0: yeah the stuff with the sinestro core and parallax and the guardians and like all of that you know is pretty decent looking even the other members of the green lantern core that are missing look pretty cool yeah overall what'd you end up giving this train wreck
2: two grenades
0: i think because i like green lantern a little bit more maybe i gave it two and a half power gloves
2: and i'm only giving that because of the artwork because I did not like the story. The artwork though, was pretty decent for this. the Sinestro cart. that Actually, those whole first couple of pages actually gave me hope that this was going to be good because it looked really, really good. It's like they focused on the first like three pages of the book and then then it just went off from there, which was disappointing.
0: It, it told me the story, but it didn't give me any reason to care about what's going to happen next. It's like bad book report. You're like, yes, I understand what happened. I just don't care. <laughs> More DC Rebirth. We have Nightwing Rebirth number one. Written by Tim Seeley, art by Yannick uh, Paquets by Nathan Fairbairn. So this one, um, again, a lot of these Rebirth series kind of fall into the same trap of not really giving you anything new. It's just kind of like a previously on, you know, where it's kind of telling you the story of Nightwing and all the different organizations he's belonged to. And he's been, you know, he's been Robin, he's been Nightwing, he's been agents, what is it, Agent 37 or whatever, when he was with the spy group. He's worked for the Court of Owls, like all these things it's summarizing for you, basically. I just didn't feel like it really put you anywhere, anywhere new with the character. It was very much a summary, which I was not a big fan of. And they have, like, the Midnighter in there as well, which is... It's kind of nice to see that character. I mean, he's been... He's had his own series before, so that was kind of nice to see. Uh, And the monster that they fought, the big unicorn-looking thing, that was kind of interesting. Uh, The, like, Yeti unicorn... I don't know what the hell that thing was, but that was at least something I hadn't seen before. You like things you haven't seen before. I do. Comics have an unlimited budget, right? You can have the most fantastic, amazing shit happen in comic books that you could never film because it's too... Fantastical. Too fantastical, too heavy on the special effects, whatever. You can do things in comics that you can't do otherwise, so... You know, use the medium for what it can do. So this basically, the Court of Owls uh, wants Nightwing to serve them and he says he's going to infiltrate them and he's not going to be any of those previous things he's been before. He's going to be Nightwing. Um, I just felt like this story, like I said, was very much a, a recap with very little new information or anything actually even compelling really happening in this, this issue. It was just like a if you've never read Nightwing before, here's who the character is and where he's at. To take you know however many years of Nightwing continuity and you know put it into 25 pages, I just I was not that impressed by it. It wasn't bad, it just wasn't very compelling or interesting to me. So
1: I always found Nightwing interesting. Yes, the unicorn yeti definitely stood out the most, and yeah, it was kind of just like a rehashing. And I also felt like it read really, really slowly and was very wordy. Yeah. Which makes me just kind of start tuning out and not really caring about it, which really bothers me out because I usually
0: enjoy Nightwing. I did think that their picture of the new Huntress is pretty badass, though. That was pretty cool.
1: Oh, I like the artwork. I thought the artwork was, was really good. Didn't capture my interest. I was just like, bored, bored now. Can we be done? So DC doesn't usually capture my interest. It takes really a good book to uh, make me like want to keep reading it and... I was ho- had high hopes for this, but didn't really work for me.
0: Yeah, it didn't work too much for me either. I think I will give it a two and a half arrows in the eye when they take out the Court of Owls. Two Unicorn Yetis. To check out our weekly pull list and other nerd shenanigans, go check out fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. You can also find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. On SoundCloud.
1: On Stitcher.
0: And on Podcast Addict. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.